Hi, uh, hello, welcome to the 30 second demonstration of the system. I hope you had a nice weekend. We are looking down the barrel of another four day week, uh, courtesy of the bank holiday on Friday. Now that I'm enduring some of the strictures that most of the rest of you guys are used to, are the ones who have to go to jobs, I'm starting to wonder how anything ever gets done. Anyway, today's story takes us back to the early middle of 2012, I think, and the first appearance, actually, of what was probably to become the Kilburn Stories' most told joke, and one which is a particular favourite of my friend David. So, uh, hello, David. All Kilburn is passionately discussing the banking scandal, which, uh, by the banking scandal, I, uh, the one I mean, involves only two bankers. And it's not really about them, to be honest. It's, uh, right, okay. Banker number one is Richard, who is an ex-Kilburnian now living in Dubai, where he works for Barclays. Who knows why he was so keen to work abroad? Some not very nice Kilburnians, and I'm not naming any names because they include almost all of my friends, speculate that he went to the Emirates to get away from his ex-wife Emma, who lives in Queen's Park, where she teaches yoga jitsu, whose trademark is the passive-aggressive martial art. And if you think that Apple is tough about its trademarks, then you should try teaching yoga jitsu without approval from the IYF, the International Yoga Jitsu Foundation. Those guys are fierce. And the other thing about Emma is that she is, in her own words, the least materialistic person in the world, which someone has to be. Well, Richard married Emma in 2007 after she accidentally got pregnant when he was drunk and she had just been advised by her doctor that he wasn't sure how fertile she was and if she wanted to have children she should do it in the next year or so and this shocked her so much that she forgot to take her pill for several weeks. They conceived, they married and two years later they divorced and Richard went to Dubai. Richard is well, whatever else he is, he's fair and he's generous, and he gave Emma outright the house in Queen's Park. Quite a small house, but a house. And starting started sending alimony and child support, but Emma decided he must be cheating her because bankers are materialistic and evil, and so she engaged some lawyers to sue him for what she deserved. She lost, and she sent Richard the bill for her legal fees and Richard refused to pay. And so Emma sued him again to recover the costs, and this time also for emotional damage, and she lost again. And then she discovered, to her shock and rage, that she was now in debt, and the paltry £90,000 a year she was getting from Richard would not be enough to service the nanny, gardener, and housekeeper, and the mortgages on her chapel in Dorset, and the villa in Majorca. It was intolerable that she should be losing out after this terrible 18 months she'd had, uh, Emma felt she had earned a break if anyone ever had. But how? At this emotional low ebb, she saw in Tesco, just near Swiss Cottage, an advert. A guy called Ziggy was looking for someone to spend a few months with him in his beachfront shack in Micronesia just as soon as he had finished curating Harlequinade, the organic local secret pop-up festival he runs every year in his parents' garden in Surbiton. They don't like it, but what can you do? This 
was the answer for Emma to a prayer. She met Ziggy and spent the afternoon in the hot tub he's installed on the communal garden behind his ex-council flat, which is overlooked by the 40 flats which share the communal garden, and she decided in the bubbling water that she had found a soulmate. The only problem was little Agatha Maud. Emma had been determined to have a child because motherhood is the most natural thing in the world and Emma is a nurturing person. But the last thing Emma needs cramping her style in Micronesia as a four-year-old and anyway, where would the nanny sleep? Agatha Maud is an incredible hassle, basically. It can't be normal. And frankly, if Richard wasn't such a miser, Emma would send Agatha Maud to a psychiatrist to find out why she is so needy and selfish. And then she thought of banker number two, who is a big cheery guy called Kim Kinnison, who also lives in Queen's Park with his Canadian wife, Merlin. Their twins, River and Sphinx, are friends of Agatha Maud and uh, River and Sphinx? River and Sphinx, do you know? With the passage of time and the more times I say them, those names seem a little less disastrous. Anyway, Emma wanted to go with Ziggy. So she asked Merlin last Friday, I need to be away tonight. Can you possibly take Agatha Maud? This was, and Emma was very careful, this was not strictly a lie. She arranged for Merlin to pick Agatha Maud up, which slightly surprised Merlin, but she didn't think too much about it until she arrived to pick up Agatha Maud and there she was, alone, with two suitcases. One contained clothes and the other contained Agatha Maud's daily wheatgrass and spirulina juice drink, with Agatha, which Agatha Maud hates above all things. Where's your mother? asked Merlin. Heathrow, replied Agatha Maud. Oh, said Merlin, and then there was a silence, and Agatha Maud, who's a chatty child, filled it. I used to think Mummy was a racist, she said, because she wouldn't let me play with Sharona but she is going on holiday with Ziggy and he is a black man, so I'm not sure now. I think I might call her, said Merlin. Emma's phone rang three times and then there was a busy signal. Merlin called again, again quicker this time. She was busied. How long is your mother going away for? I do not know, said Agatha Maud. She is going to the distant island of Yap where she hopes to find her centre. I bet she fails. Right, said Merlin. And so Agatha Maud has been with Kim and Merlin for a week now, nearly a week. Emma still hasn't answered her phone, but she sent a text message saying that she would be away for four months tops. And when Merlin asked if she considered this situation reasonable, that's a very long time, Emma replied not to worry. She felt that Merlin was someone who might blossom if shown a little trust. River and Sphinx are delighted to have Agatha Maud to play with, and Agatha Maud is delighted to be there. Kim and Merlin really do not know what they think. They're just slightly shell-shocked. Four months is a long time for a four-year-old. It's, well, it's a weird situation, and who knows what next? We, their friends, are agog, and that, such as it is, is the news from Kilman. Okay, my fishy friends, so... Here is the news, even though we do not follow the news. The news is that we're down to the final in name of the year. Vote now. It is Math Daniel Squirrel, always looking like a strong favourite. 
against Dark Horse Courvoisier Dingle. Very good name. Very good name indeed. But, you know, I think a bit just, that's the sort of name you'd invent. Math Daniel Squirrel. Magical. I've, I'm all over Math Daniel Squirrel. But there's more news on Name of the Year from another Name of the Year fan, a guy called Paddy Duffy, who I know slightly, from the world of quizzing, if you could imagine such a thing. And he, on Twitter, has posted uh, something, a book, uh, called Remarkable Names of Real People, or just a few pages from this, or How to Name Your Baby, compiled and annotated, 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 an unusual name. No, compiled, uh, compiled, no. I've just lost the plot today. Sorry, team. I'm not going to edit this. It's all in. Compiled and annotated by John Train. Not a bad name in and of itself. Illustrated by Pierre Letin, uh, with a preface by S.J. Perelman. And it's got a jolly couple of remarkable names of real people, or how to name your baby, which I think is ironical. It doesn't include uh, all of the explanations for how they found the names or anything, but the, here are just some of the names. And it has the same sort of rising hysteria thing as reading the name of the ear bracket for me. So we've got Sir Basil Smallpiece, chairman of the Cunard Line, London, England. Bathsheba Finkelstein, a high school of music and art, class of 57, New York City. B. Brooklyn Bridge, the Reverend Blanco White, a waverer, ordained a priest in 1800, thereafter a professor of religion, later renounced Christianity and abandoned the priesthood, uh, later re-embraced Christianity and reordained. And he's in the uh, Dictionary of National Biography is worth looking into the Reverend Blanco White, I think. Uh, Bluey Cole Snow, uh, Mrs. Belcher Whack Whack. Uh, this is Miss Belcher married Mr. Whack and then married his brother. <laughs> Mrs. Belcher Whack Whack. Uh, Miss Horsey de Horsey, an intimate friend of Lord Cardigan. Uh, compare the Honourable Outerbridge Horsey, US Ambassador to Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Rothgar J. Habakkuk, Vice-Chancellor of Oxford University, Hugh Pugh, landscape architect, Humperdinck, Humperdinck Fangboner, <laughs> a lumber dealer, and uh, Fanny Fangboner, a nurse. Um, folks in Sandusky, as in some towns in Oklahoma, seem, feel, seem to feel better having odd names. Other citizens of the area include Ovid Futch, Xenophon Hassenflug, Kitty Ditty, Kitty Ditty, and from the Sandusky Register, E. Kickapoo Banfill, <laughs> lecturer, uh, and I. C. Shivers, who's a nice man. <laughs> I mean, that's good. Uh, Mary Louise Pantsaroff, <laughs> Melissa Dalsini, Caldini, Yankee, Panky, Devil, Take the Irishman Garrison, from Triumph City, North Carolina. Uh, compare Mary Maloof Teabaggy from Boston, Mass., uh, Miss Memory Lane, Roslyn High School, New York. Uh, many, many tackle, many, many tackle a pass in pond, Hartford, Connecticut. Not so strong. Mercy Bumpus, wife of General Tom Thumb. And Moo Boo Goo and Little Miss May from New Orleans. Uh, Moon Unit Zapper and Dweezil Zapper, as you'd expect to be in there. Uh, so, so that's just a little extra collection of names as a bonus feature for today and uh, I haven't really thought what music we're going to have I just saw that and I uh, thought you should know
Okay, wibbly wobbly lines indicating time shift. I've had a little thought and what we have here is Age of Opportunity from The Devil Gets All The Best Tunes. This is one of the songs that's really quite deeply stuck in my head for some reason in a very permanent way. It comes to me all the time, even about a decade later. Did I say a decade? It might be more than a decade. Anyway, uh, the recording is not great, as most of our Mighty Finn recordings aren't. If I'd only known that this would be coming sometime later down the line, uh, we'd have really concentrated on it more. But that does not hide how spectacularly good our band was that year and how great the arrangements were. And that was all the responsibility of our musical director, Will Barnett, who we love. I'm ready. Welcome to the age of opportunity. Times are changing, doors are opening wide. You can be a part of it, roll up and step in For all you know, this might just be your lucky day. Okie dokie, so there we are. Uh, oh, just in case your mighty Finn history's a bit sketchy, the book of The Devil Gets All the Best Tunes was Kate Ferguson and music and lyrics were Susanna Pierce. That's us for today. 
be well, good, good to each other, and so on. And we'll be back tomorrow, Tall Tales Out. If you're